This episode is brought to you by the Marine Corps Association and Modern Day Marine. Calling all Marines and their families. Gear up for the Modern Day Marine Expo at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center going April 30th to May 2nd. Uncover the latest military innovations and don't miss the exclusive Military Spouse Summit. Hear firsthand from leaders about policies impacting and supporting Marine Corps families. It's your chance to be informed and connected. Secure your spot today. Visit MarineMilitaryExpos.com for more details and to register. That's MarineMilitaryExpos.com. We would like to thank the Marine Corps Association and Modern Day Marine for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Scuttlebutt listeners, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate your continued uh, support, and thank you for tuning in. Um, I am Vic. I'm here with Nancy. Hi, everyone. And we are welcoming back to the show Captain Riley Tjack. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing well, Riley. Thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, thanks for being here today. So um, I'm going to admit something. Uh, it's a little bit embarrassing. Whoa, okay. but this is, this, we're going we're to be I'm vulnerable. excited. What's going to happen? We're going to be vulnerable a bit. So... Just was as excited as we were to have you on. I'm also very un- ill prepared, and so we had some <laughs> we had some good pre show, sort of warming me up, getting the vocal cords going. There's a lot on your plate right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so for those who didn't catch Riley's first episode, uh, Captain T Jack is a logistics officer by trade. And is on the U.S. national bobsled team, and you recently, well, not not recently, you will be leaving because you recently were selected for the world championships. Yes. Okay, I got that right. You did. Nice. Prepared. Microphone drop. Thanks for tuning in, Scuttlebutt listeners. <laughs> um, well done, no, well, Vic. Tell us all about that whole thing because last time we talked, you were going for the tryout, so you were mm-hmm. going to New York. Mm-hmm. And it was all it like it was before know, the season started, right? Right. It was what have you done? You know what have you done for me lately? It doesn't matter about all of the stuff. Now it's time to come correct and make the squad, right? Yeah. So adversity struck as soon as I left y'all. Um, I actually was training. I walked you down to the parking lot. You seemed fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, the week before, I went to Camp Pendleton to go film. Um, with the Marine Corps, and we made these really awesome YouTube videos. Plug, you should check them out. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I was but doing those are the, the show description, right, right, right. When I was doing that, I was training with my trainer there, training with NFL players, all this stuff. It was awesome. And all of a sudden, I started noticing that I was having some pain and irritation in my right foot. And I just thought, oh, it's because I've been traveling so much. I'm literally on my feet 24 7 filming and doing two days for training, right? I'm literally training two hours in the morning working all day with the Marine Corps filming this masterpiece. Another plug. And then, <laughs> and then we need you on our team. Yeah, objectively speaking. Yeah. Objectively speaking, of course. And then training those two hours at night. And so I went straight back to Placid and I was having so much pain to where I was just in tears. Like I can't walk. Like I don't know what's happening. Like I thought something was just like sore and irritated. Maybe it was my shoes. I literally bought new running shoes that day. So I get to Lake Placid. I take two days off. I have, you know, two weeks before competition for, you know, team selection. And I cannot run without tears just streaming down my eyes. Is it only when you're running or is it when I'm walking, but the running's like the worst. And that's when I said, okay, something's super wrong. I gotta listen to my body. I, I went to our athletic training staff and essentially 
found out that I broke my foot. I oh, my a, gosh. Yes. I had a fracture in my sesamoid bone, um, which essentially I knew nothing about this, is right under my big toe. And it's what gives you stability and yeah, balance oh and boy. ultimately what you push off of for when you run. So when I was walking, it would bother me, but I could kind of walk flat footed and be fine. But let alone trying to push a bobsled in that push mm-hmm. position and generate force, there was no way. So, yeah, it's broken. And I, you know, fractured clean in half. And I'm just like, how did this happen? They said sometimes it can be overuse, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and there wasn't like a moment where you're training, you're doing no, great and it hurt. It just no, was a slow buildup. Exactly. Within, But within like four or five days, which was odd to me because they said normally there's like one event. And I'm like, I, listen, I did two days. I was training two days. And it grabs over time, but I'm on my feet. I'm in boots, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in different running shoes. I'm in spikes. I'm like, oh, my feet hurt. Like, shocker. Right, right. And I have a high plane threshold. And so anyways, they were like, yep, you're in a boot. You're out uh, eight weeks. I said eight weeks. You know, that was going to take me to Christmas. And I and I lost my mind. I'm like, absolutely not. And so what I – trials were starting in two weeks? Two weeks. <laughs> Two weeks. The math isn't checking Exactly. Out yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that would be missing the whole North American Cup circuit the first half. Oh, so man. I would be missing eight races. And I was like, this. it was just tragedy. I, I went into a really deep state where, you know, I'm like, do I need surgery then? Like, you know, trying to find all this stuff out. And so the plan of action that I end up taking, and again, maybe it isn't the smart thing and listeners may have some other thoughts, but I'm a Marine. I were this show disclaimer. We're not offering medical advice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I, I don't recommend saying yeah. your experience. Right. Yeah. right. And it, what I did was <laughs> I got that boot. I shut it down for 13 days. And on the 14th day, when it's time to go freaking chuck the boot off. And I went, I don't recommend. I tried to take, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get trouble. Took way too many Advils to try yeah. to figure it out, and it did not work very well. Um, I ended up doing okay. I, I finished overall ranked fourth um, for Team USA women, but I needed that I needed that top three spot, right. which I was at the time, you know, tr- people just assumed that I would kind of walk into there, and when you can't push at the top. Yeah, we could barely walk. Right. Actually walk. Right. right. And, like, it was, I was suffering. So wait a minute, let me get this mm-hmm. straight. So with a broken foot, you still place fourth. Correct. <laughs> fourth overall. So I actually won two bronze medals um, with my teammate. So we I got third twice, but on average, yeah. fourth. Because this was this was the first North American Cup race, which also simultaneously was our team trials. They couldn't do like a cortisone shot or anything like that? Not or? in that location. No? Mm-hmm. It's so small. Jeez. And Yeah. So I'm like, well... I got to keep going. I got to, I got to keep fighting. I got to stay in the fight. And so it essentially became like, what can we do to manage the pain and then push it off until after season to try to figure out potentially surgery and recovery. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm talking with my staff, medical staff and like Riley, like it's, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Like, you know, I mean, it's our damage is already done at this point, right? Like I can't do anything to make it worse, but like, it's not going to heal. And so I was like, well, Figured out when I figured out. So I continued on, pushed through the season, um, had some really high highs, you know, between now and then I've actually, I believe, seven podium finishes, which is incredible on the North American Cup circuit and Europa Cup circuit when I went to Europe. And up until last week, wasn't sure whether or not I did enough to make that world championships team, which is top 25 in the world and top three on USA. 
and I got the call that last week I ended up doing it. So I will be on a flight to Germany in 48 hours, which is why I had to come in and let you guys yeah, know yeah. firsthand. Congratulations. That's we'll, awesome. um, we'll insert the applause. Yeah. In oh, yes, please. Yeah, please, yeah, please. Yeah, Thank for you. Sure. Um, so what does that mean then? Like, how are you feeling now? Like, mm-hmm. Is it? Like you said, you were managing. Mm-hmm. I, I take it you actually didn't get treatment. <laughs> so I will give you the marine and bobsled answer and just shake my head yeah, with yeah, like this yeah, look yeah, in my yeah. eyes. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm good to go. Yeah. Send me. Yeah, Let's do yeah. this. Um, it's not as bad. I can tell you that for sure, right? Like, are there any inserts or anything to mm-hmm. help mitigate? Yeah, and then okay. every time when I'm with my bobsled team, I work and get getting medical staff and doing what I can. It's definitely not where it should be, but this is kind of my norm now. Um, Understanding that and realizing that do not recommend running the CFT with broken foot. I did do that too. That sucked. But there's a lot that you have going on that I probably wouldn't recommend. (laughs) (laughs) But here you are. We're here for it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, that is, uh, I mean, that that's a great story of perseverance, but I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but God, congratulations. Thank you. And so of uh, so to make to be on the uh one of the top three, does that mean you're like one of six athletes then? Is it are they all like the, the team? Three pilots. So okay. three there's three USA like we call them sleds. Yeah. So like there's me and two other people yeah. that are driving it. So those are the people that I'm in direct competition with. Okay. And then we have a pool of brakemen. So we will have so three women's pilots will be competing next weekend. And there's a pool of five brakemen or push athletes that will fill in with two alternates. And is that like, I, I apologize for my ignorance here, but is that like almost like a bullpen in baseball? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Someone gets injured. Someone gets hurt. Hey, step up, ready to go. Yeah. Because yeah. bobsled, people crash. Somebody breaks their foot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. Yeah. I still have one good one. That's <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. It's the toe. It's not yeah. the entire oh, right, right. foot. So well, yeah, yeah. It's just right. Yeah. It's the, yeah. Yeah. It's, well, man, that, that's unbelievable. Um, and so you're off to Germany, mm-hmm. and you'll be competing for how long? It's just one week long for okay. World Championships, and then I have competitions the remainder of the month in March in Lake Placid. Um, and then how many events will you be doing in Germany? So it's technically one competition, but it's two days of races. So okay. it's very similar to the setup of the Olympics for World Championships. This is the only time where it's four total heats. So normal races are only two heats put together. Okay. This is two days of two heats combined four put together for this one race. But technically, it's two days of racing. Okay. And is it set up like tournament style, like a bracket, or you're it's you against the clock? Yep, more than it's you against the clock. Okay. Yep. So the the time you don't want you want to have the best time, which means you yeah. have the least amount of time to take down. So you got four runs, mm-hmm. fastest time. That's takes it all. Winner takes all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay, so let me change directions a little bit. With all this adversity and this, all these things you didn't plan for, mm-hmm. what did you learn about yourself through all of this? Oof. I've learned a lot about myself, and I think the biggest thing that I've realized and learned is that we have limitations as people, and that's something I'm not, I haven't really been used to. In that there are things that are more important than sport, which has been really hard to. You know we're live, right? I do, I do, and (laughs) my coaches and everything you hear. But it really put in perspective when I was, you know, at that time in October, and I'm like, my whole season's done. I was like, that's it. 
so that's it. What, what does this mean? And if that was taken away from me in that sense, I was like, there's so much more to me than just this. And there's other things that I'm able to do and rely on. And sport is something I do. It's not who I am. And then it also put in respect, even though you probably couldn't tell by my decision making, is that <laughs> <laughs> like I want to make sure I have longevity in my health um, outside of outside yeah. of sport. Right. So I did push it. Don't get me wrong. But I wasn't going to push it in an unhealthy manner. And I still don't. Right. If I if I can't do my sprint workouts to the level of my Olympic track teammates, then that's just fine. I'm going to do what I can to try to get by and adapt and overcome. Essentially. Yeah. How do you adapt, overcome and realize what you do isn't who you are. It's just something that you do. Yeah. What a no, great perspective. That yeah, is. that's really profound. It, it's unfortunate, though, that you get that kind of clarity in adversity. Mm-hmm. It's too bad you can't, like, be on top of the podium and be like, but, you know, there's so much more to me. <laughs> People are like, I'm awesome. Right. You know, like, but that's, I mean, that is, that's going to be helpful, um, you know, because, and we've talked about this with transition, um, as we've had retirees, uh, folks who have moved on from the Marine Corps, from the service, and then have moved on to multiple things, is, is that at some point, even the commandant has to retire. Like, right. You're not going to be in uniform forever. And, and I think that in a sort of a microcosm, it's the same way, is that even at your peak, you wouldn't be a bobsledder forever. And mm-hmm. you weren't a bobsledder prior to this, right? right. And so... Yeah, I think it's just it's a lesson that we have we it's beneficial to learn, but unfortunately I think we have to continue to relearn it because we do just through human frailty and flaw will always attach our identity to our mm-hmm. accomplishments or these sorts of things that are very fleeting, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's so prevalent among top athletes because you work so hard it's so all-consuming you put so much of yourself into training that I can imagine that makes it even more difficult to separate you from you the competitor absolutely it's it's our job you know I guess I wear the Marine Corps uniform and yes my primary job is being a Marine but my other job is to be a professional athlete and when you that quickly can be taken out of the fight and be hard down and not do anything that you're supposed to do that close of season sure. and that close of like high pressure situations. And there's nothing I could have done differently, right? Like I looked back and I've like thought about it a million times. I'm like, maybe I would have taken a day off or this. And it's like, it's, it's overuse. So that's what I do. It's a sprinting injury mm-hmm. and it is devastating. And I've, I've seen my teammates and I see people and I've also seen people who after the Olympics are more depressed than ever. Sure. And it's like, because you work four years for this one event and then it's over like this. Mm-hmm. Just in a blink of an eye, it's two weeks, done. And they're like, that's it. Like I worked four years for two weeks and it's already gone. And so it, it's all about where you find like your purpose and where you find your meeting. For me, that actually drew me closer in with my faith at this time because I was like, okay, God, like where do you want me then? And is this something I can push through it, or am I not supposed to take this? Am I supposed to take the season off? Right. Mm-hmm. Like what, what does this look like? But it was hard, right? Like think about it. I came in here. I just talked to you guys. I just talked to everyone else. My, my coaches, my teammates, my family, my friends, the Instagram, right. And <laughs> is it- <laughs> the Instagram, um, you know, telling all these people, Hey, like it's, it's showtime. This is what I've yeah. been working for all year, you know, time to ball out at team trials and, and get top three and, and do my job and people expecting that of you. And you showing up and walking on crutches in a boot and people are like, I don't understand. 
And so there's that part of you too, that almost feels like, like everything got taken away. And so quickly I realized I'm like, this is not some, this is something I do. It's not who I am to whom much is given, much is expected, but much can also be taken away just as fast. But it's also on the other side of it, it's got to make the sense of accomplishment so much more, uh, fulfilling yes because of the amount of adversity you had to go through the fact that i am about to get on a flight to go to world championships has been something that i have been talking with nancy about prior to i mean october august whatever date it was and i i really thought it was possible and for a very long time i thought it was not possible so when i got that phone call i cried i, I literally cried i called my parents my parents said that's it they dropped everything. They're booking a flight. My parents are coming to Germany. That's awesome. Right? My dad's my dad hates traveling outside the country. He loves the United States. Why not? Sure. America, right? Absolutely. But he decided even to come, right? And they're like, no, like this is that big of a deal. And I would be lying if I said that if I would have been healthy and all this kind of stuff, I don't think I would have had the weight on it. But it's also a dichotomy, right? Because of the lessons I learned, I'm like, this is such a gift and a privilege. Like, not, oh, I shouldn't be here. I, I've earned to be there, right? Not that... Like there's a humbleness, but also like I I know my worth and I know my value as an athlete, but oh my gosh, like this could, this could be, you know, that last moment of world championships I ever will get, you know, hopefully not. But if it is, I got to do it with my parents alongside of me. I got to do it with my family. I got to do it with my coaches and teammates. And I can't wait to go back there and be with everybody. And then I'll kind of segue. And that's also when I learned um, similar around this time was about this deployment coming up. And it was the same thing of like, oh, but you're missing bobsled and you're missing preseason. But again, I'm like, well, bobsled is not who I am. It's something that I do. Mm-hmm. And I want to continue to be as multifaceted as possible and do as many things because that's what I think makes me great and allows my story to impact others because I'm not narrow focused on only one thing. Yeah. Well, and then those also too, like this, this kind of, this feeling that you have is going to permeate into all the other aspects of your mm-hmm. life because who, God knows what's going to happen, right? Like financial trouble, car accidents, unforeseen health things, you name it, you know, family um, loss and things, but you've persevered. You know that that is a tool that's in your kit. Um, and I, I, I really think that those things are going to transfer over. So I'm, I'm so happy for you for having made those accomplishments. I'm sorry that you had to go through that adversity, but wow. I mean, you are like, you know, steel forges steel <laughs> now, you know? Um, but yeah, so let's talk about this deployment. So this sort of just fell out of the sky. In, in a way. Fell into my email. It fell into my email. So many things do, don't traveled they? Traveled the ether, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah it pinged you. Um, so w- what are we looking at for, mm-hmm. we're looking at uh, May deployment, is that right? Yep. So essentially right before Christmas time, we had a tasker come out saying, hey, you know, we need, um, we need a Marine to fill this billet and it's May to November and November 26th at that. So basically December, like the whole month yeah, of November right, right, right. Is, is off the table. <laughs> and I was on the list of a couple people, and when I was really evaluating that list, I saw that I was the only one who's never deployed before. I said, oh, no. I saw that I was the only one not married. (laughs) Yep, oh, no. And I do not have any dependents, and I said, oh, no. (laughs) And the response back was, you know, Riley, we got you taken care of. Don't worry about it. We know, you know, you're on track to go to the Olympic Games, and that's something that the Marine Corps wants. And so right now you're kind of 
you know, mission statement is, is to get to that point for the Marine Corps. And I just felt it really in my heart, especially I think because of everything I went through that I was like, no, actually this is something I've always wanted to do in my Marine Corps career. I've been active duty for five years, which isn't a lot, but compared to people, you know, Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, there's no way you're going to be in five years and not deployed given the circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's very rare to come by deployments nowadays. Sure. And I saw this and I said, oh my gosh, like I have to take advantage of this. And so instead of typing, you know, requirements that would keep me here or, or, you know, keep me into Bob's that I actually volunteered on behalf of everyone else. And again, underqualified in the sense of, um, I'm not PME complete for, uh, captain. I'm not a major. So I'm, I'm a captain still. It's a major's bill. It's an operations officer, which is very high level of like, uh, planning and stuff. And I haven't had a lot of exposure to Marine Corps planning. Yet. Like some of my ca- yet. Yeah. Thank you. Like a lot of my counterparts, but I will. I'm not worried about it, right? You adapt, overcome, you figure it out. Yeah. But it's one of those. The fire hose, like, yeah. All, all the but it's of one of those things where I was so proud because it challenges me and it scared me a little bit. And I think if your goals and your dreams don't scare you, then you're not in the right place. And so I'm like, I like, I started feeling not like comfortable, but I'm like, okay, I, I know the rhythm of Bob's. I know the rhythm of my job. And this came and I was like, oh, that that scares me. That makes me nervous. Like that's something that I, I want to read yeah. more. I want to study more. And that's what I've been doing, right? Opening books, talking to my counterparts, studying the Marine Corps planning process yeah, yeah. to make sure that I was ready. So again, that's something that, yeah, I'll be missing bobsled training. Yes. I'll be missing the first competitions in early November, but my plan is to come back attack just again with bobsled as someone that just, you yeah. know, was, was serving my purpose and doing my job first as a Marine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, one thing about deployments um, is it's a lot of was it uh, Emerson or Hawthorne that said that war is long periods of boredom broken up by short periods of terror. I'm, I'm butchering it. For yeah, sure. I don't you, remember who said come that, on, but journalist. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so there is going to be that thing. So don't don't think that just because your wheels up uh, that these other things you can't prep. So like you're talking about PME complete. I mean, with the way the Marine Corps has really leaned into distance learning, Mm -hmm. um, you can def, there'll be plenty of time for you to get up to speed on your, at least your non-res PME stuff you Mm -hmm. can do. And then as far as training, like I've never seen so many swole scooters (laughs) on a deployment because yeah, there's gyms and there's time to work out in them. And there's like tons of like seven, ton, seven ton and MRAP tires that you can just throw around. Yeah. And I've actually said this in the past four years, cause of Bob's of the Marine Corps, I've literally calculated it four years. I have not been in the same location without leaving the state. And I have not been in one. Okay. I'm messing this up. I have not <laughs> left the location. The longest place I've been in one time is three months. So I have yet to be in one location for longer than three months in the past four years. Wow. And I looked at that and I said, that is insane because of picking up, moving with the Marine Corps, going to different schools, going TAD, bobsled specifically, then PCS here. You know, I moved here since July and I've lived in my house less than 90 days. So actually the fact that I can go to Iraq and be somewhere for six months, I'm like, so yeah, yeah. thrilled. <laughs> You're ready to get a break. I'm right? so thrilled. I'm like, wait a minute. So exactly. Like I can be at one place, focus on myself, not running around and doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think will be such a fresh 
perspective, such a fresh like yeah. mindset shift where I can be all in at one place, but also still do some of the things that I love. Now, obviously, do I wish that I was here and I could do all these speaking engagements and go help with recruiting the Marine Corps and compete and be here and there, but I'm actually looking forward to my life slowing down a little bit, even though I will but, be I in mean, Iraq. <laughs> you're a Marine. Like, it's a deployment. Like, right. Of course this is awesome. I mean, yeah, it's what we want to do. This is what we do, yep. right? Like, this is what we do. Um, so, yeah, there's obviously a ton of anxiety, but fucking A, man. This is what you say. <laughs> oh, up I'm for, like, right? I'm, I'm walking into Iraq with a smile on my face. Yeah, this would be the, this would be the shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to enjoy it. So, um, but because those orders just came down the pike, still some ambiguity about who you're going to be with, mm-hmm. actually, that location, some of your billet mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, operations officer, I mean, you are the point, you know, you're not, maybe not the pointy tip of the spear. But you're the one that coordinates all of those pointy, sharp right. tips. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be busy. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that for you. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm up for the challenge for sure. Yeah. Um, it's something that I think I will have plenty of stories. I'll, I think I'm going to learn some, some things the hard way and hopefully learn things quite quickly as yeah, well. And sure. be as prepared as I can for these last not even 90 days. <laughs> so then how does that work as far as having to um, – coordinate with um team usa Mm -hmm. so i the second this was even a possibility right after christmas i called my coaches and i called the federation and i said hey there's a possibility that i might be going and deploying and they're like all right all right that's good to know like let us know once you know more and i got the call in europe while i was competing in switzerland oh wow the day after my birthday i'm sitting in the you know sitting eating dinner a team dinner my phone rings. That's my boss. And anytime you, you know, we're not supposed to have phones. I'm like, uh, no, this is my boss. I answer the phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, always got you, sir. But, uh, and yeah, he got the phone call. He's like, yep, you got it. They, they gave you the billet. You're going. And I immediately, my coaches, you know, again, super excited, but also like, I feel like one side of my face was like smiling. The other side of my face <laughs> yeah. was like tear. Like, wait, 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 what do you, what do you mean? Like I'm in Europe. What am I supposed to yeah, do right yeah. now? Like what do I do with my hands? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm supposed to be bobbling, but now I got to get ready. Like, let's go. Um, so I briefed them and they're like, listen, this is an extreme exception, right? It's not like I'm I'm asking to, you know, go to underwater basket weaving school and, mm-hmm. and miss some of the requirements. So they are totally okay with it for now. Like, I will have team trials in March, which will set us up for what the team looks like for next year already. I'll miss the trainings i'll miss like push championships and some of our inner squad usa events and most likely the first or maybe second race of the season but they know that i'm still in good standings with them and i'll be able again as long as i'm healthy and there's no issues be able to come back and go right back into competition yeah. mode so and you know it's the next season is the season before the game so very important critical um season but i put myself in a really good position because of the things i was able to accomplish this season yeah so what about your teammates how did they respond yeah, i mean question. how foreign must that seem mm-hmm. to them when you say yeah i'm gonna be deploying mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what is that do they even understand what that means i think a lot of them were very fearful initially especially because when i found out was the same time of the drone strikes mm-hmm. and it was the same yeah. time mm-hmm. that two navy seals were you know, claim deceased. And all that came about when we really haven't heard anything going on with the Middle East, the same time I'm telling people that, Hey, that's where I'm going. And so yeah, like ships off and, uh, off the coast of Yemen are like yeah. shooting rockets out of the sky on the daily. Right. 
And so people are like, what, what does that mean? And so very similar to anyone that's not in the military, you know, your initial reaction is like fear and your initial reaction is what you heard of that was going on in the Middle East in the 2000s, right? The IEDs, the -hmm. people not making it back, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's foreign in the sense of like, whoa, wait, but we got to get ready. Like, what does this mean for us? Some of, you know, the, the brakeman athletes, you know, well, when are you coming back? Are you, do we count you out? Are you in, you know? And then ultimately though, I've been, have nothing but positive for my teammates or some of my best friends are like, Riley, like, we know how bad you want this. Like, we'll be here. What can we do in the meantime? Like, how can we make this deployment easier on you? How can we make your transition back to bobsled easy? Like, we'll, we'll help you with your equipment. We'll do, you know, this, that, and a third. So I've been overwhelmed with the support. I haven't really had any negative pushback. Honestly, I just have some people that question my decision of like, you know, well, why would you go like the, like anyone can go on quote a deployment, but not anyone can quote be Olympic eligible. And my response back to those people is first of all, like, I don't expect you to understand my decision. That's why it's mine. Mm-hmm. And second of all, like the Marine Corps is my priority and this is what I've wanted to do for the long term. And yeah. I've been a Marine longer than I've been doing bobsled. And so when I see an opportunity present itself like this, where I can go and make a difference, I feel God calling me to go there to do just that. And again, bobsled will be what's there when I get back. And it's not a, uh, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Like, right. Not only can you do both, you are already doing both. Right. right. So, I mean, fuck you. <laughs> like, what do you, you mean that question? That's a ridiculous question. Well, what I love is how you, just through your interactions with people, again, who just don't have a lot of exposure to military culture, what a great opportunity for them to learn about military culture mm-hmm. in a really positive way through you as an example. And that's my goal, right, is is ultimately put myself in situations that are hard because, one, I want to have personal growth, but, two, really inspire people to let them see what it means to be a Marine what as a female. What does it mean to be a professional athlete as a female? You know, what does it mean to be a female that's trying to, like, do things on my own, rewrite stereotypes, get all these things – through sharing my experience. And so I can't wait for the knowledge that I can bring back that isn't just something that I hold on to, but that I can share with others and share such a positive light because mm-hmm. I love the Marine Corps. Shoot, I'm like, that's why I'm like, you want someone? Like, send me. So, you know, sometimes people try to get out of it. I'm like, I'm game. And I just want other people to see the Marine Corps in the same light that I do. And I want to bring the best of the best into it and be a, maybe a reason why some people are like, you know what? I could do that. The Marine Corps sounds great. Sign me up find a recruiting office near you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and watch your videos, right? Yeah, yeah watch my videos. <laughs> and read Leatherneck. And yeah. that. And read your... Yes. My children's book. Yeah. yeah. Book. So this is amazing. Um, uh, at the time of this recording, uh, we haven't released it yet, but it's going to be released. So Major Olalu Ogunyemi, who is the comma for 24th Mew, also writes children's books. So we have mm-hmm. a very cool theme here of active duty marines writing books for kids which is it's i know it's obviously trying to inspire children but Mm -hmm. it's inspirational for me too that um there are marines in uniform that have this creative pull but it's not as so self-serving you know as a aspiring author myself it's all about me right (laughs) i write because it works for me and i want the accolades that come from writing my own book what people take away from the stuff that I write, I would appreciate it. But at the end of the day, it's really a, it's a it's a medium for me 
uh, and it's an exp- a way of expression that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. There isn't the same sort of skin in the game as when you're writing for children. Right. Um, not only because of how influential they are, but because of how influential they are, right? And, and there's a, as you see, there's a clear goal, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, tell us about that process, how you came into the children's book writing and like where you're at in the process. It's so very exciting. Yeah, I'm so glad the order of this because this ties back to right when I broke my foot. So right when I broke my foot, so fast forward. So you're so excited to finish more. your manuscript that fell on your foot. And then- <laughs> That's how I broke. Yeah. So right before I was, I did a couple interviews. One was with CBS here on base. I did one with DC News Now and I was doing a lot of interviews. And a common question that I really had to ask myself was people were like, well, what's next? Like, when the next five years, what's your next big goal? And I'm like, as if I don't have enough already. Like, I was like, is going to Olympics not, not enough for you? Okay. Um, but <laughs> it, it really challenged me. And there's there's two things that really came to mind. I said, one, before I turned 30, I just turned 27. Before I turned 30, I want to write a children's book. That's where I wanted to start. And two, I was like, in the next 10 years, I would love to run for a small office in some capacity for Political the government. Office. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just to initiate change. And I also love public speaking. Like I love, 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 love it. And so when I broke my foot and I was sitting in a boot and I couldn't leave my room, essentially, like they had me like locked down mm-hmm. for two weeks. I said, what in the world am I going to do? Obviously I'm sitting on my computer, like calling the Marines and all this stuff, but I'm going crazy on the weekends. And that's when I shifted that focus. I'm like, what? Well, I guess why would I wait until I said my goal is until to do the book before I'm 30. I am before 30 now. Why not start now? Yeah, sure. yeah. And so I started like inquiring and asking people, hey, like people are saying, well, how did you do this? What did you do? What does the process look like? And got as much information and data as I could. I started writing. It doesn't take very long to write a children's book. Right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like 700, 800 words. But I put together a story that I thought was very impactful and I sat on it and I I would rewrite it and then I'd read it to people and I changed the title and do all the stuff until I finally um, was introduced to a publishing company that's all women in a Christian based one and out of Tennessee and I was like oh my goodness this lines up really well they loved it they said 2024 was all booked but they had spot one spot just in case like a brilliant idea hit the desk and hit their table. And essentially they're like, we want to give you that one spot. We're pretty at max capacity already, but we'll, we'll take you on for 2024. And the next thing, you know, my manuscript finished that, got my first, you know, paycheck for that, which was insane. And then I'm waiting for the release. And again, it's not much, you don't get a whole lot of money from children's book, but it's the, it's the idea behind it. And what I'm able to do now is I'm able to tell people and my goal is to read it to a lot of military families because hint, hint, the Marine Corps is a part of it, being able to read to young children this yeah. book where I can interact with them and really ask questions when they're like, wait a minute. So you're telling me you're a female Marine, you're a professional athlete, you're a published author, and you're Miss Military that's very actively involved in community service in, in your church. How, how do you do all of that? Right. And to be like, yeah, and so can you. Mm-hmm. And and you can actually probably do that and then some, right? And and inspire people that way. Or at the very least, you know, part of my story is I never thought I wanted to be a Marine because I never saw a female Marine in yeah, uniform. Yeah, that's, that's really a big deal. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think we talked about it the last mm-hmm. time you yeah, were we on. Did. But, right. I mean, just having that, it's just, it's, it's when you're in that, when you're in the sort of the, the cultural 
a landscape where it's taken for granted that people of a cert of certain demographics and certain appearances mm-hmm. are commonplace. Mm-hmm. What you see when you look at the uniform is the uniform. But when you're from a demographic that's on the outside, yes, you, of course you see the uniform, but you see yourself in that uniform. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, um, it's eye opening and it's, it's, it inspires hope mm-hmm. because you just never, th- I, I didn't know I could do that. Right. And at an early age. Yeah. So instead of when I saw that when I was 18 years old, can I have someone say that when they're eight years old? Yeah. And say, oh, that's an option for me. Or, oh, I recognize myself. Like I can visually see yeah. her. And, oh, I could I could do that. Like that sounds cool. Yeah. Because for me, again, like I said, I never thought in a million years that's something I would ever have done. And I think maybe if we instill that yeah. in younger generation as a military force in general, obviously I'm biased towards the Marine Corps. But we continue to bring in men and women that feel like they can fit this mold that can be the most successful as the years continue to come by. Or just to not accept the sort of idea that there are limits to what you can do. Rather where it's service, athletics, science, you know, you mean to you know, slam two atoms together and create a sustainable energy source. Like, yeah, go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess yeah, that's what I think about. <laughs> I think about that constantly. <laughs> um, uh, but so going back to what you're saying, so like in writing a children's book, obviously the word count is a lot less. Mm-hmm. So I, it, would seem, it would seem like on the surface that that would make it easier. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, like I said, have, being an aspiring author myself, I know that that's actually ridiculously difficult. It is. I write in the tens of thousands of words and I've got all the space mm-hmm. to describe, you know, take three pages to describe the top of a mountain. If when I do that with my sons, I just try to even explain like how to pick up dog poop in the backyard. If mm-hmm. I say more than three sentences, they've already tuned me out. Right? And right. so you have to be very careful in the every single word matters and mm-hmm. it has to be very deliberate. Like, so what was that process like for you? You, I, not necessarily coming from like a literary background, like how difficult or easy or what was that like for you? I haven't taken an English class since high school, yeah. I think, <laughs> right? And so, you know, obviously I was a political science major, history major. I read a lot. I wrote a lot, but differently. And so mm-hmm. what you're saying was something that I struggled with. How can I dumb down words too, by the way, because they were like, they're not going to understand this word. Right, they're not gonna, right. I'm like, but it's beautiful. It yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. nice. Listen right? to this, the prose. Right. Yeah. I can't. To break this word down means I have to use three other ones. And they're like, yeah. Then that's what you have to do. <laughs> I'm like, what? Um, so it it was something that was actually, again, challenging. Something that I was like, well, I feel like this point's conveyed. And it's like, yeah, adults understand what you're saying. Adults love it. But your goal is to have kids mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. it. And kids want to pick it up. And kids be able to converse about it and understand. And so how can I be in, impactful with very minimal words? Like you said, right? How can I give a speech and I have one minute? To inspire you and that's yeah, it yeah so what i say and the words that i use have to be colorful but also simple you have to be able to understand it but there's a deeper meaning mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so there has to be you know some kind of conflict in the story right and then perseverance mm-hmm. and how do you depict that to make it realistic without giving too much detail and background all the things and then everything that i use in the book is like realistic and people in my life too so it was a lot difficult 
there's a lot more envisions than I thought, right? The publishing company kept coming back. Like, we'll change this. Other ideas about this. I'm like, my goodness. Like, what do you, like, I was like, this shouldn't take that long. It's 700 words, but. <laughs> Kids are tough critics, though, too. That part. Sure. Kids, I think, are yeah. tougher critics than adults, and they're not afraid to tell you exactly what they think. And and that's a part of it, too, right? Like, I want to perform, like, or give a solid product. Like you said, like, they will tell you unfiltered. And so I want them to ask you the hard questions, but I want the point to get across that they understand what they're asking me. Um, you know, well, how did you do this? Well, how did you do that? Oh, I told you how you do it. You got to believe in yourself. You got to have people that step up and believe in you, but it has to start with you because too many people close themselves off before they even try. And it, so um, when are we looking at a publication date? Have you had one? I did originally. It's supposed to be August but with the deployment, I'm still kind of trying to figure out, hey, what makes the most sense? Because I already have some people lined up that are like, we want you to come read it at the commissary or we want you to come read it, you know, at certain different yeah. elementary schools and stuff, which I'm super excited about. So I'm just trying to see. And again, something that I'm not is like smart in the sense of like, hey, marketing, what mm -hmm. makes sense? Should I really launch it when I'm in Iraq or should I launch it as soon as I come back in November and maybe try to push it out before Christmas? Read to people then. I don't know, but I would I am determine that it comes out in 2024 when yeah i don't know probably before may is a hard no could you tell us a little bit about the theme mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. you're exploring in this yeah book? the the title is if you can dream it be it and it revolves around a young girl her name's riley <laughs> that's, <weird. laughs> that's crazy um her name's riley and she essentially goes to school and she has an assignment from the summer and it's hey go figure out Instead of how your summer was, talk to us about what you want to do and what you want to be and go interview people in your life that that are influential or jobs that you think you want to be. So she goes back and she interviews several people in her life and essentially she comes to crossroads when all of her friends can figure out this one job that they want to do and she's stuck being like, how do I pick just one? Mm -hmm. And ultimately realizes that as society, other people, but also you, limit yourself, put yourself in a box of you can only do and be this because this is what the world says until she realizes, actually, you know what? I'm going to be a do Marine. Yeah. I'm going to be a professional athlete. I'm going to be an author and I'm going to be um, a pageant winner slash community service um, extrovert and is able to then full circle, come back to the class and teach that assignment every year alongside the teacher and say, Hey, you know, here's what you want to do. So my goal and dream and vision would be maybe to inspire that same assignment being given to other schools that I'm able to talk to and people actually the hard way sit down, put their phone away in interview style and learn more about someone that they look up to in life or um, a job that they think is, is really cool. And what age range is this book targeted at? Elementary school. Okay. Mm -hmm. So cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Riley, you have a lot on your plate. Thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to come in. I mean, within hours of you departing for World Championships, I mean, we wish you all the best. Absolutely. Our prayers are going to be with you. You're going to kick ass. <laughs> Thank it's you. So, so actually, is there a way that we can check you out? Like, are they going to be, she's, is it like ESPN, Ocho, or anybody? Gonna Ocho. Be uh, ESPN Germany. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, it's actually, everything's going to be on YouTube, especially okay. afterwards too, because of the time difference. Yeah. Um, 
everything will be there. So you'll be able to like anything, watch YouTube for free and go back and watch the full race and there'll be no do breaks. Do you know like do, just in the search engine for mm -hmm. YouTube put mm -hmm. World Champion Bob If you put IBSF, that's India Bravo Sierra Foxtrot, that is my federation. And they will post it. But if you follow me on social media, I'll be throwing okay. out the links and all that kind of and stuff, we'll, too. And we'll put your social media stuff back yes. on the show description like last time. And then, um, yeah, so that's awesome. So hopefully we'll be able to track your progress live mm -hmm. as you're, you know, taking names, uh, racking, stacking medals. <laughs> um, so four runs. Yep. Let's go. Let's do this thing. And then, and then you're back in... April? April for like three days, and then I go and to North Carolina. Up. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, North Kakalaka. Jay Vegas. Yeah, Camp <laughs> Um, And then you won't be there very long either. Nope, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Ryan, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's really exciting. I, I sweat hearing about all the stuff that you're doing. It's like, I got to take a nap. Listen, yeah. if you can dream it, you can be, be it. it. Yeah. So get get after it. I know, but I have sleep apnea. <laughs> Sounds like an excuse. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Almost 50 year break. <clears throat> but um, so all the best to you. Can't wait to. Um, well, I guess we won't really have time to catch you when you're back from world championships, but we'll catch you maybe when you're back from Iraq. Um, just see how you're doing. Mm -hmm. We'll be following you on social media. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be exciting. All right. Well, again, all the best. I'm really excited for you. And then, oh, uh, publishing. Um, you said 2024, but no target date yet on your book? Was supposed to be August. We'll see if that changes the right or left. But okay. But keep you updated. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, this is great. Thanks, Thank y'all. The Marine Corps requires leaders of all ranks to have a deep understanding of war and the employment of force. MCDP-1 reminds Marines that the military profession is a thinking profession. Every Marine is expected to be a student of the art and science of war. It goes on to say that every Marine has an individual responsibility to study the profession of arms. Self-directed study in the art and science of war is at least equal in importance to maintaining physical condition and should receive at least equal time. The Marine Corps Association understands the critical importance of ensuring that Marines are as mentally ready for combat as they are physically ready. That is why we offer an entire page dedicated to wargaming on our website. We have recommendations for both tabletop board games as well as computer games. And for Marine Corps Association members, there is a discount code for Wargame Design Studios that you can find on the website. Wargames are a great way to immerse yourself in history and to put yourself in the shoes of the great leaders of history. Go beyond guided instruction and experience the thrill of wargaming. Check us out at mca-marines.org forward slash decision-making-exercises forward slash wargaming-2. That's mca-marines.org forward slash decision-making-exercises forward slash wargaming-2. Take your training to the next level. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. You have heard the voices or contributions from Major Vic Rubel, USMC Retired, Nancy Lichman, and or William Truding, and Captain Riley T. Jack, USMC. 
Ty Frazier is the editor, sound engineer, and technical producer. The Marine Corps Association is not an agency of the U.S. government. The opinions expressed in this episode are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the official position of the United States Marine Corps, the Department of Defense, or the Marine Corps Association.